Hello everyone, welcome back to the Bitchipedia podcast. I am Dahlia and today I have a short little episode that I wanted to do. I know it's the holidays, so this is like a little holiday extra. Um, I just want to give an update. First of all, I really thought about it yesterday and was like, anyone who's listening to my podcast for the first time and started on the last episode, that may not have been the best episode to start with. (laughs) It's a little heavy and I want to address a little bit of what I've been going through and well, we'll dive into it. Okay. So I'll start by saying I did not expect the holidays to be as difficult as they were. Um, It was not an easy time for me to get through and I have been known in the past to, I'm like, choking on these words emotionally bypass (laughs) I will bypass my feelings I've got a little bit of the spiritual bypassing tendencies that's kind of one of my coping mechanisms that by the way is not helpful so if you don't know what it is it's basically I think I don't know if I did the whole episode or if I just talked about doing an episode but spiritual bypassing is where you kind of use these tools of spirituality to kind of bypass heavy things like grief. So you may say, you know, I know that this is for the best. I know that this is going to be a catalyst moment where, not for the best, I mean, that's a that's probably the wrong wording to use considering what had happened with the passing of my father. That's obviously not like the best. I'm like, yay, <laughs> let's go. But I know that in these tough moments, that is when you expand, right? And a big thing for me, I think, in this lifetime is to learn to deal with death and regeneration, the rebirthing process. It's something that everyone goes through, and I feel like I've gone through through that a lot. And this was kind of just one of those times that, I tried to see how I could grow from it. And I tried to see, you know, the good in the situation. Obviously, it wasn't an ideal situation, but it wasn't sudden. You know, I got to say goodbye. Um, It was best case scenario as far as what could have been. So I think I kind of leaned into that and then maybe didn't give myself enough grace, which... Like I said, that's that's kind of a tendency that I have that I would like to work on because I've also recognized that I don't just do it with other people. I do it with myself. And I think if I give myself the grace to and the space to grieve and to, to be sad, to hold my sadness, I think I will be able to do that. I know that I will be able to do that for other people. And... I do expect a lot out of people often, you know, emotionally. I, and like I said, it's because I hold myself to this higher standard that I will expect people to kind of like, let's get on with it, you know? And I think it comes from this deep rooted fear of me being paralyzed by my depression, Depression is something that I have struggled with since 
high school. And if you've heard me talk on the podcast, I've been all over the place with my depression. Um, I kind of pushed it away and did want to take medication because I didn't want to over identify with it. And then I came around and recognized that it's kind of bypassy for me to be like, you know, you don't need medicine. Like you don't need medicine. Just find the good in life. Like, no, that's not it either. And like I said, it all comes from this deep rooted sense of fear that I will not be able to pull my way out of my depression. That it's this like deep, dark cave that I will lay in longer than I need to. And I don't know that that's true. I think a lot of that comes from this idea that, you know, like I said, that I don't want to get stuck in it. So I think staying in it for any amount of time is too long. And when I was in my relationship, I mean, God, this was 2020, right? That was my first real experience with grieving someone that I loved so tremendously. It was so difficult. And obviously, this is a completely different situation. And holidays were different. It's not like, you know, my holidays with my family were something that were, you know, a stronger institution than it was with my ex. So the holidays hadn't really affected me even when I was, quote, grieving with my ex. But I remember a lot of the times I kept thinking, you know, like, why am I not over this yet? Why am I still sad about this? It's been two years, you know, and then it was three years. And I would still have those moments where I would miss him or be sad or, you know, I didn't ever get that closure that I wanted. And side note, when I talked to my therapist about it, she literally told me there is no closure. Like, you don't get closure and that's something you just have to accept. So, that's something that I worked with, but I remember like talking to my friends about it and, and I would get upset and cry and I would say, why am I still upset about this? And everyone else was really good at holding space for me. I don't think any of my friends told me, to my face at least, you know, get over it. And that's, that is how I feel with myself. Like when I feel sadness, I will tell myself, get, get over it already. You know, like you're, you're whining, you're being a victim, and I I am able to hold empathy for other people, but probably not enough, realistically. And this whole situation with my dad has definitely shown me that. And I think I didn't, I'm trying so hard not to cry. I know that it's like, <laughs> it's like what we're talking about is like, Feel your feelings, but I don't want to just continuously get on here and cry. But then the voice in my head is like, everyone's listening to you talk about your father passing and you're not crying. They're going to think you're a heartless monster. Which, by the way, is what happened. We had a little memorial for him. And I was so emotionally locked up. Like, no one was going to see me upset. And then I got really paranoid about that. That... You know, I'm at this memorial and everyone's seeing me not cry. They're going to think that I didn't love him or something. So, and I just remembered this episode of Gilmore Girls where Rory was talking about her. It was like her great-grandmother died. Spoiler alert. And she's like, what if I can't cry at the funeral? And her mom says, well, honey, at least you know you can work yourself up into a really good panic attack. So that's kind of the arena that I went was I just like closed everything off, shut everything off memorial and then afterwards I went back home and kind of lost my shit so 
all that to say, there's been a lot of bypassing in my grief. I have tried desperately not to feel it. And I told myself that I felt it because, like I said, I had my breakdown. And it's like, you know, I was crying at least a couple of times a week. But then I would have a good day and I'm able to get a little bit of space from it. A lot of people in my life don't really know. And they didn't know him. So it's not brought up regularly, which is how I like it. But I did catch myself kind of putting it in a box. And another thing that I've really noticed in this process is the numbing that has been taking place. (laughs) I have been numbing my feelings in any way that you can imagine. TV, food, God, that's one of my favorite things to do is just eat my feelings. Um, you know, leaning into whatever substance I can get. I don't want to say whatever, like Jesus, it's not that bad, but you understand what I'm saying that there are, if I'm drinking in a way, smoking in a way, whatever, I want to feel a little bit of relief through numbing and it doesn't serve you because as annoying as this is, the numbing does not help later. It, it catches up to you eventually and eventually the numbing stops working. You know, you kind of build up this like immunity to it. And then you're left to deal with your emotions. And that's kind of what has happened within the last, I don't know, three or four days. And there was a full moon. Y'all know I'm into anything ritualistic. So the full moon, I did a full moon ritual, which is about like releasing. And I wanted to let a lot of this stuff go. And my body, I have just felt drained, you know, we're at the end of the year. So we're all kind of phoning it in anyway. And it's this kind of like resting, relaxing period. But between all of this, the bypassing and the numbing, I recognized that no matter how motivated I was, because I was like after the, the full moon ritual and the rest, I got extra sleep. I'm doing all the things and I'm like, okay, time to hit the road running. Let's go. I made a plan about what I was going to do. I woke up yesterday morning and was like, I'm going to do it. And as soon as I woke up immediately, I wanted to numb myself. This is all subconsciously. I didn't know, right? And I wanted to numb out. And like I said, it doesn't work after a certain point. And I was trying to watch TV. TV is like my comfort. Y'all know I love any like shows. That's how I communicate with the universe. I couldn't find a show to watch. I couldn't find a movie I wanted to watch. I couldn't find a podcast I wanted to listen to. All my old standbys weren't working. Except Gilmore Girls, that's always my go-to. I watched that the whole, like, three days when my dad was at the end of his life and we didn't really know how it was going to go. I just, Gilmore Girls was on in the background the entire time. So, obviously, that one is a go-to, but I wasn't able to start. I tried to start, like, three new shows. None of them were working, and... I wanted to record podcasts. I wanted to record TikToks. You know, I have these days off and I'm like, okay, I have this new motivation for life. I'm not going to waste any time. Life is short. Let's go. And I tried to make a video. I tried to make a recap of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And it's like a silly scene that I was trying to make fun of. And I just couldn't even like emotionally get it up. You know, I couldn't even laugh. I couldn't do... The impression. I couldn't do anything silly. I just felt numb. And it wasn't even the numb that I was doing. It was like my essence 
was just numb. And I recognized it. Sometimes it takes me a while to recognize it, but I was like, oh, depression. Okay. Yes. Which makes sense, right? That's what I kept saying is like, you know, obviously your father, you just lost your father. It hasn't even been a month. And now it's been, now it's been a month. I think we're at like, I don't know, five or six weeks or something. I don't even want to think about it. Like, that's the whole thing is like, it's all starting to kind of like set in and... I looked back at the stages of grief. I keep trying to remember to do that and kind of check in and say, like, this is normal. I need to know this. And that's what happened. You know, I'm I'm in the depression stage of grief. It's all kind of settling in. Um, and there's this thing when you lose someone. You hear people talk about it all the time that, you know, you're afraid that you're going to forget things and it kind of feels like you're moving further and further away from them. And that's how it felt. So I finally did find a show that I wanted to watch and it was on Apple TV. It's called Shrinking and it's got Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's character reminds me so much of my dad. (laughs) So that's kind of bittersweet, but you know, it's about loss and they're therapists. So you see that this person who's supposed to be equipped, right, who has, quote, all the answers is going through something because you find out in the very beginning that he has lost his wife, the the shrink, Jason, I forget his name. Anyway, the main character has lost his wife and he's kind of moving through that and I think one of the more important things that they say, I'm like, I don't want to give any spoilers, so I want to stop and not get ahead of myself, but you should go watch it. But one of the things that they said was to face the grief, that you have to turn around and look grief in the eyes. And that sounded really familiar to me because I'm pretty sure it was on the last freaking episode of this podcast that I recorded about Anderson Cooper's podcast on grief, um, All There Is, Anderson Cooper's podcast. And they said the exact same thing about facing the grief. You have to turn it around, turn around and look grief in the face. And I realized that I was not doing that. I was doing, like I said, a lot of that bypassing where it's like, okay, yes, I'm going to take him and honor him and then like move on with my life, you know, which is great in theory, (laughs) but not exactly how it works in real life. And I caught myself trying to push myself. And it was frustrating because, like I said, I had all these big ideas. And I felt like I had been kind of in hibernation mode. And I was getting these thoughts together about how I was going to move forward creatively. Which happens, by the way, as far as my creative cycle goes, without, like, leaving grief completely out of it. On a normal day-to-day basis, that is kind of how I work cyclically through my creativity and through lots of the, I think that's kind of the pattern with everything in my life. And I think it has a lot to do with my human design too. So you think about like working with your energy and I'll have these big bursts of creativity and I'll go, 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 produce, produce, produce. And then I go back into my little shell, go back into my hiding, my cave, hibernate. I let new ideas come to me and I'm plotting and I'm planning There's a line that Meg Thee Stallion has when she says, just know a bitch been working when I've been too quiet. That's me. Like I'm, if I'm quiet, I'm at work. But I was 
incredibly frustrated because, especially yesterday, I think this kind of all peaked yesterday when I was wake. I woke up, I woke up, I've been waking up earlier and there's no, my, my sleep schedule has been affected. So I was like, there's no point in finding it. I'll just wake up. So I've been waking up at like five, five thirty in the morning every day and just getting started. So I was doing that and I was doing my yoga. I was doing my journaling, meditating. I'm going through the checklist, right? And then when it was done, I'm done with those things. Now it's like 7 a.m. And my day is supposed to be just getting started. And I, it's like I had used up all of my energy for that. I worked a lot last week. I did, um, I worked on Friday, which I usually don't work on Friday. So I usually have another day of rest. Didn't have that. And I wasn't giving myself a break. I just kept pushing myself and then getting frustrated that I wasn't able to get as much, quote, work done as I wanted to. And I was just able to do this morning routine. And what I wanted to do was kind of build on that because I've implemented these rituals into my habits, right? These are now habits. I wake up, make the bed, I'll shower or do whatever I need to do and then I do my yoga, like I said, my my journaling, my meditating, my breakfast, all these things. And then usually that's when, that's my like recharging moment. And then I get the work done. But it was like I was doing all those things and then I wasn't able to move on to the work portion. And then I was frustrated because I was like, all right, well, I'll just sit around and watch TV, I guess. Like that's what I'll do. And that wasn't really helping. So it just felt like I had this... It feels like static in my body. That's the best way I can describe it. Where I feel antsy. And I wanted to go yesterday and do something. But it was a holiday. It was New Year. Well, today's New Year. It was New Year's Eve. And, you know, I didn't want to fight the traffic. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go out drinking. That didn't sound fun to me. And I couldn't drink by myself at home. Because if you don't live in the great state of Mississippi, you may not know. But because of the religious culture down here, they don't sell liquor on Sundays. Can't buy liquor. Liquor stores are always closed on Sundays. So that was out, right? I'm like, I could have had a nice bottle of wine, but I didn't want that. So that's gone. So I was like, okay, well, and, and I'm pushing and I, I tried to go. It's, it's like I was searching for my easy button. Remember, we've talked about it with Glennon Doyle. She has a whole, I think it's a TED Talk or maybe an Oprah, um, what is it, Sunday Soul Sessions talk where she talks about looking for the easy button. You feel this emotion come up and rather than face it, you look for something to do. Whether that's eating, drinking, smoking, um, whatever, sex, it could be anything. And they all look different. They all look like you're handling it in different ways. But they're all really just escape routes so that you don't have to turn and face the feeling. And when I tell you that I tried everything yesterday, I tried the healthy route. I tried doing my yoga. All that stuff didn't work. Tried going for a walk. Didn't work. Wanted to go for a drive. Didn't work. Listen to my podcast. Didn't work. Wanted to watch TV. Didn't work. Went to, I was going to go to a store because I was like, maybe spending money will help. Now I'm getting desperate, right? Like, let's resort to easy buttons that I don't usually use. We'll find a new easy button to scratch this itch. And didn't work. I tried to go buy groceries. Didn't work. Eating food. Didn't work. Nothing, like, nothing was working. And then when I started watching that show, Shrinking, 
they talked about facing the grief and I realized that that's what I'm doing. I'm not fucking facing the grief. And his advice, um, Harrison Ford's character, his advice was give yourself 15 minutes, set a timer for 15 minutes and just allow yourself to cry. He'll give himself 15 minutes to just sob, put on the saddest song or read a sad poem, anything that really gets you in your feelings and makes you feel emotional, lean into that sadness for 15 minutes and then pull yourself out of it and go on about your day. Now, like I was saying earlier, I used to be afraid that I wasn't going to be able to pull myself out of it. But I think I have proven to myself time and time again, even though sometimes the window of me being in that pit of depression may be a little longer than I want it to be, I still have always proven to myself that I will come out of it eventually. My friend says, when you get your belly full, you'll leave. You know, like when you've had enough, you'll leave. So I do, it takes me, maybe it takes me a little longer to get full of sadness or maybe not, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't have an actual concept of how long you should be sad. So I'm holding myself to this crazy standard, which that tracks, right? Like perfectionism of like, why aren't you producing? Why are you being a sad bitch? (laughs) You know, like we've got shit to do. But then the other part of me that wants to be sad and wants me to hold space for that sadness is like, hello, my dad just died. Can you get off my dick? Right? And it's just those two people in my head battling all the time of the one that's like, let's fucking go. Let's get to work. Let's do it. What are you doing? Why are you feeling sorry for yourself? You're such a victim. She's mean, by the way. She's she's a little mean. And then the other part of me that's like, I am the victim. I'm sad. And sometimes she can wallow for too long. So I think that push and pull, maybe that's normal. Maybe I need to just stop thinking that one day I'm going to just be this like neutral emotion all the time. I don't know. Like I don't... I don't know. I, I'm coming to you on this podcast to tell you the way I'm handling it as I go to be like, well, I tried this. This didn't work. And I haven't tried the 15 minutes of crying yet. That's going to be today. And I think I think it's going to work because when I was listening to the Anderson Cooper podcast, I would go on my walk and listen to it. And sometimes they're like an hour, so it's longer than 15 minutes. But I would listen to them and kind of commiserate with them and listen to them talk about their sadness. And it feels good to honor that sadness. And then when I do do that, I'm able to pull back now and look at it objectively that when I do that, I do see better results because then the sadness doesn't feel like it's looming over my head in this big black, not even cloud, but like, you know, the hurricane cyclone that's like, spreading over mass areas of land. That's what it feels like. That There's just this huge thing above me circling and waiting to drop down on me any second. That's what my grief feels like. So when I am able to allow it in, even for a moment, maybe I'm doing it for too many small moments and I need to do it for a bigger moment or at least give myself a little more space then then I think that is what they're saying when they say face the grief. And I think that's the healthiest way to do it because I'm not going to escape this without being sad, right? Like the sadness is inevitable. 
which annoys me because I have this limiting belief that I cannot grow if I'm, if I'm sad. And I think the idea that I need to replace that limiting belief with is that I can hold grief and happiness at the same time, that I can celebrate things and also be sad. I'm like, I'm choking it back right now because that feels anyone who has lost someone in any capacity, I think knows that guilt is such a huge part of grieving and the guilt of like laughing when you feel like you should be crying, even though you know that most likely the person who has passed does not want you to be sad forever. You know, I know that, but there's still this weird guilt about it and it feels hard to celebrate. It feels hard to move forward with these things, you know, when they're not here. So that's what's going on. <laughs> that's what's going on in my grief journey. And then I want to tell you a story and I'll end it with this. Last week, I, well, within the last couple of weeks, I had been setting an intention going into my day. So let me explain it to you this way. They say that you're, and I don't know why, there's a scientific reason, but I don't know the, the science behind it. But essentially, whatever you go to sleep thinking about, think of it like a casserole, like an emotional casserole that you're putting in your little mental oven until the next morning. And then when you wake up in the morning, whatever you cooked the night before, that's what's ready for your day. So I was setting intentions at nighttime, right before I'd fall asleep, I would listen to some sort of affirmations or a meditation to set the tone for the day. I would pick a word of the day. It's like one of my favorite things, you know, to do is like set the intention on, it could be anything, grounding, spark, journey, whatever the word is. I have a whole jar of the words like folded up on little tiny pieces of paper and I'll reach in there. That's one method. There's a couple of other ones that I'll do too, but one method, I'll reach in there, I'll get the word, and then notice how that word feels in my body. I'll think about, you know, like an association game, like what does this mean to me? What could I do about this? So for journey, it might be, you know, savoring the moment or not getting so caught up in the goal so much as my day-to-day. What does it feel like? What is... What does it look like? You know, there's going to be ups and downs and setbacks, but really zoom out and look at the whole journey. That's an example, right? So the other day I set my intention. I had done a couple of really good ones. One of the ones that I had the most success with was um, a heart-centered meditation that I did. And I woke up the next day and I was moving and my yoga, you guys know if y'all do yoga or even anything that gets you in the flow where you're just like, oh, you're hitting it. Everything is just in perfect flow. You've got the synchronicities going and you're like, yes, this is it. You feel connected. You feel centered. That's how it felt. I felt very centered, very much moving from center, which is like the goal in yoga. And it's not easy to just like, it takes practice. And I was doing it and I felt it. And I was like, oh my God, it's because I did the, the heart centered meditation last night like this is what heart-centered 
feels like. And it was amazing. So then that, that night I was going to sleep and I'm like, all right, what word do I want to set for my word of the day tomorrow? And I got the word power. And I was like, oh, yes, that's it. Yes, power. I love power. I want to feel powerful for someone who felt not powerful for a really long time. I was like, yes, power is what I want to feel tomorrow. So did the meditation, wake up the next morning. It is. It has not come to me. <laughs> the power has not come to me. And I'm like, okay, well, when I did the heart-centered meditation, it felt really good. And now this is not working. Like this, I don't feel powerful. And one thing happened. I was like, this is not doing it for me. Another thing happened. I'm like, this is still not power. And now I'm getting frustrated, right? So I kind of zoomed out and was like, let's look at handling this in a different situation. I'm going to focus on what makes me feel empowered. And anything that is disempowering, I'm going to get rid of, right? Like I don't focus on the bad stuff. We'll send our focus to the good things, the things that do make us feel powerful. And we won't worry about the other things. So something happened and I said, "Mm, don't like that. That's disempowering. Something else, nope, don't like that. That's disempowering. That's a disempowering belief. That's a disempowering thought process. Any of those things and I'm kind of weeding them out. And eventually... I recognized that it's so funny that I set my word for power and set my attention for power, but the universe teaches through contrast. So it used disempowering feelings to show me power, right? And I think sometimes... Maybe the same thing for setting our intention for happiness is sometimes we will have things that are not happy. Things that don't make us happy or don't make us feel good. And we have to learn through those things what we do find happiness in, right? Because like I said, it teaches you through contrast. The universe teaches through contrast. So it's funny that I set that intention to feel powerful and then I ended up feeling the exact opposite but it showed me what power is right it showed me power through disempowerment and I think that that's probably going to be long term what happens with my grief you know I think that we we can show up in surprising ways and I think we can surprise ourselves, but we have to be able to zoom out and look at how we're actually handling it because we can get lost in the moment of it all, right? Like I feel like I'm a failure because I am sad and that's obviously not true. (laughs) I would be a monster, I think, if I, I mean, me personally, because of the relationship that I had, if I just like didn't care about my dad passing away, I think that would be insane, right? So it's completely normal. It's completely normal that I would want to numb. It's completely normal that I am facing the depression stage of grief. I will not be there forever. It will not last forever. I know that every day gets easier and that Just because I have a hard day does not mean that I'm not progressing. And that's something that I have to constantly remind myself of. 
So I struggle with even sharing about this because, you know, the podcast evolves all the time. And I wanted to take a a turn with the content because I didn't want it to be just focused on trauma and sadness and us sharing in stories of suffering and misery. And then as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to focus on the good. I lose my dad. So it's like, okay, so do I not speak out about this? Because who wants to come on here and listen to a sad bitch talk all the time, you know? Or is that that part of me that doesn't want to be sad, that wants to believe that no one else is able to hold space for my sadness because I can't hold space for my sadness. And it's insane to me to think that nobody has gone through this. There are people everywhere. Like that is the one, I don't want to say the good thing to come out of it, but the comforting thing, the only comfort that I have found in this whole situation is when someone else has been through the same thing, the loss of a parent. And, you know, there's a, a an episode on Grey's Anatomy where two of the doctors, one of them loses a father, the other one has already lost a father. And she says, we're in the dead dad club. And it's a fucked up way to think about it. But honestly, that's kind of how it feels like it. You know, you don't know until you know. And when you do know, there is this kind of sense of, I don't know if camaraderie is the best word for it, but connection, empathy for the other person. And I've talked to a lot of people who have lost a parent and to listen to them and know that they made it through, I think is the important part to see them say, you know, it's really fucking hard, but it does get easier. I think is reassuring. And I don't want to rush myself, even though I think I have been to get to that point. Um, I think that grief is a longer road than any of us ever want and that annoys me. I have, I've said it a million times, probably on this podcast, but definitely in real life where I felt like, I felt like I came to this earth and I would ask people about grief. Like when I first experienced grief, I would ask people, what is the answer? What is the solution? Like, there's gotta be an answer. And everyone was like, "Mm, no, you just, nope, there's no, you just have to go through it. You just have to go through it. And that's the only way to do it. And that made me so mad. Like, I can find a shortcut for anything. Anything. Except grief. And I think that's so annoying. (laughs) That makes me so mad. That I can't just you know, snap my finger. Like, what do I, what do I do? I'm like, is there a class I can take? Is there like a package that I can buy? Is there a concoction that I can drink? Is there a ritual that I can participate in? What's going to do it? And I feel like I've searched every corner, any, any religion, any, everything. And they all say the same thing. Therapists say the same thing. Can't rush it. Just got to go through it. Like, what? (laughs) That makes me so mad when I tell you, like, 
it makes me feel powerless, right? And that's something that I don't like. It makes me want to grit my teeth because I don't, I don't know if you could tell this or not, <laughs> but I've got a few control issues. So anything that I can't control really pisses me off and grief pisses me off. Oh, look, maybe I'm in the anger stage now. Maybe I'm back in the anger stage. Um, and I just have to remind myself that it's, it's frustrating that, I don't know, I guess there is never going to be a window of time where I'm just not going through anything. And that kind of makes me mad too, because I'm like, how am I supposed to be chasing my dreams? How am I supposed to be putting out content and, you know, doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing if every time I try to move forward, something fucking sad happens and it's like, it keeps me under its thumb. And I think that's the whole thing, right? Is that you just have to do it. Like I said, holding the sadness and the celebration at the same time, you have to be able to move through your life and hold the sadness at the same time. And if you can't do as much, then you just can't do as much. That's so annoying. Even as I say, I'm like, yeah, but like, just push through. (laughs) Like what? Just push through it. It'll be fine. And I think I caught myself not having enough empathy for like my mom. Oh my God, my mom. I felt so much sadness for her and I'm not really great at holding other people's sadness when it affects me too. Does that make sense? Like if my friend comes to me and she's, I don't even want to use an example because it feels like I'm putting something on someone. If someone else came to me and lost someone that I did not know, or they're going through a really tough breakup that doesn't affect me at all, I'm totally able to hold space for it. But when my mom is feeling sadness about losing her husband, about being alone for the first time in 40, 50 years decades like that's fucking crazy to me and I want to be able to hold space from her now I feel like I'm in a therapy appointment this is what I should be talking to my therapist about I want to be able to hold space for her but from my perspective it's hard for me too because I lost my dad you know and we're grieving in different ways but when I think when she tries to talk to me about it it's hard because You know, I'm like, I've got my own, (laughs) honestly, if I'm being real, it's like, hello, I'm trying to ignore my grief and you're putting yours in my face. So it's making it really hard to compartmentalize and numb and bypass when you keep being sad (laughs) in front of me, you know, that sounds so heartless, but it's true. Like, I'm just being completely honest with you guys. That's what I experienced. And then I would feel guilt about that because it's like, who is so shitty that they can't just listen to their mother be sad? But, like, that's not something that we did as a family. We did not show emotions in front of each other in my household. If you had an emotion, take it behind a door and close it, you know? And... I think that's what's so crazy for me. Like you, if you don't know me, you might think because I come on here and I share with the whole, literal whole world, I share these intimate details and these intimate feelings in such um, vulnerable moments. You may be tricked into thinking that this is something that comes easy for me or 
something that we did, you know, like we grow up sharing our feelings. No, 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 no. And my sister, my sister is going through the same thing as me. Kind of, you know, every, everyone has a different relationship with and different experience with the person. So it's never really the same, but she lost her dad too. Are we talking about it? No, no. Have we talked about it? No. Are we going to? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Because we don't, I don't know, we don't see a lot of the stuff in the same way, you know. We're very different people. But, all that to say, it, it does not come easily for me. So even thinking about coming on here and sharing this feels hard for me. Because it feels hard for me to talk about these things because I'm worried what people will think. Like I said, you know, I'm not crying at the memorial. Like what, you know, I'm just always worried that I'm not feeling properly. And that may have something to do with the autism. But I I was trying to tell someone the other day, I often feel like a robot that was programmed, like AI, that was programmed with how to be a human. You know those articles that are, I can't think of the right word, it's not article, but those things on social media that are like, I gave this computer 10,000 hours of Donald Trump, and then the computer starts saying things kind of like Donald Trump. That's how, I don't know why that's the example that came to my head, but that's how I feel like, a robot that they just entered thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of what it's like to be a human. And I'm kind of just operating on the level of like, I'm just kind of regurgitating human stuff back to you. I'm like, is this human? Am I human yet? (laughs) You know, I kind of feel like an alien, kind of like a robot. So it's hard for me because a lot of times I'm like, I don't feel like I'm feeling things right. And is there a right feeling from, from my Yes, no, but I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, is it, I'm not even giving advice at this point. I'm just telling you that this is how it feels. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. If it resonates, you're not alone. Where do we go from here? I don't know. Talk to a therapist, like talk to someone who's qualified to give you advice from this point forward. But the the show about the therapist said, face your grief. And the therapist on the podcast said, face your grief. And my therapist said, face your grief and feel your feelings. And you don't want to lean into it and get lost in it and just become your grief. But you know how they say you grow around your grief. I think that's what we're going for. And I don't know, when you catch yourself bypassing or numbing, the only thing that you can do is just to notice it and say, all right, well, I'm going to try not to do that anymore. So today, that's what I'm doing. I could feel myself the very second that I woke up wanting to numb. I can feel myself doing it right now. And you know what? I probably will. As soon as I'm done with this, I probably will go and do something to numb it out. But I think all I can do is shrink the increments with which I am numbing and try to go for as long as I can. Now, maybe that's the restrict binge cycle. See, I'm like, I don't fucking know. What's the right answer? I don't know. But I don't think, I don't think it's realistic to think that I'm just going to be out here 
totally taking it all in, depress, you know, feeling the depression, not numbing, like fully feel the feelings all the way, all the time. I don't think that 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 is realistic for me at this time. I think there are healthier coping mechanisms that I have to implement, but at the end of the day, I'm still a human, so I'm probably still going to fuck up. I'm definitely still going to fuck up. So, <laughs> I feel like I felt like at one point I should have just ended it with the setting intentions and feeling powerful, you know, because I'm like, what? This this feels like I've I've left you guys more confused than when I started. But I mean, like I said, this is just me kind of walking through it, and I don't know, like I don't know what I'm doing out here. I don't know what I'm doing out here. If 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 anyone came here listening to this podcast with the idea that I know what I'm talking about and I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answers. That's, that's not what this is. <laughs> that's not what this is about. The idea was all along for me to share stories and us collectively kind of go through these things together and figure it out together, you know, cause I'm not a guru and I'm not a therapist. I'm just, I'm just out here going through it and I can tell you what works for me and what doesn't work for me and I'll tell you right now numbing all the time does not work so maybe I'll give myself my 15 minutes of sadness listening to my podcast maybe because it always makes me cry and it's good to cry and I don't think I've been allowing myself to cry enough so that is where I will leave you (laughs) I'm like happy holidays bitches go enjoy your suffering I just want to, I will end it with saying the holidays were tougher than I expected. Anyone who is grieving through the holidays, you have my sympathy, my empathy, because this shit's hard. And if you have been through it before and you're going through it this year, you're like, yeah, I know. And maybe you're saying it does get easier. And if this was your first time making it through the holidays after a loss, we did it. We did it. It's over. It's January. We've got the month. This I think this is going to be a good month. January is going to be a good month. I don't celebrate New Year because there's no like astrological point or relevance to it. So I don't really care. But, you know, my last episode was about setting intentions for the, for the new year and moving forward. Kind of use this as a marker if you do want to. Use this as a marker of a fresh start if that feels good to you then let's do it. You know, the holidays are behind us. Like I said, we made it through. Let's figure out what we're going to do moving forward and then hold enough space for yourself and have enough empathy for yourself. If you're not able to 100% come out of the gate swinging, then that's okay too. Look, that was good advice. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm going to end it on that. I love you guys so much. I really do. Um, My heart is honestly, on a serious note, my heart is with you if you are struggling through the holidays um, with a heavy heart. I really, I'm, I'm right there with you. And like I said, we did it. We're going to get through it together. You, you are not alone. If you feel alone, you are not. I encourage you to reach out for support because grieving is hard enough, but doing it alone, I feel like is impossible. We were not meant to grieve alone. And if you're like me and you feel like you're dumping sadness onto people, just remember 
the people who love you and think about it from your perspective. If your friend or loved one was coming to you in that, in that situation, would you feel like they were burdening you? No, you know, so try to show yourself a little grace. I think that is the answer that even if you do numb, show yourself grace, even if you have a hard day and you can't get things done, it's okay. You know, those things will still be there waiting for you and you cannot miss what you are destined for. I love you guys so, so much. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.